This is your dose of daily market wisdom with master trader Nick Santiago. Starting from humble beginnings, Nick has been beating the markets for over two decades. He shares with you his take on the profitable trades that will have you moving towards financial freedom in no time at all. To see an in-depth review of his track record and much more, go to inthemoneystocks.com. Welcome. This is your daily dose of daily market wisdom with master trader Nick Santiago. I'm Kerry Lutz. Today is 8-14-20. Well, we're coming to you a little later. We both had prior commitments. And Nick, uh, a very boring day. I think uh, I'll have the painter over and I'll have him paint my house and just watch the paint dry. Yeah, uh, it's a Friday in the summer, so we're not going to look for too much. Uh, overall today, the uh, the volume in the spiders was very, very light. It finished at around $47 million, which is extremely light. And we're in the heart of the summer doldrums. But uh, again, this is, uh, this is uh, what a typical Friday looks like in the summertime in the month of August. Um, so we'll leave it at that. But it wasn't a bad week for the markets. Markets held up pretty well. It was a flat day out here today. NASDAQ Composite showed a little bit of weakness. Uh, that was down about uh, two-tenths of 1%. But all the other major indexes were basically flat today uh, going into the close. So not a bad week overall for the markets, I have to say. Um, I'd like to see some more backing and filling. But right now, the trend is up, and markets are holding up pretty well. Uh, so these boring kind of trendless markets, what are, they, what are they usually an indication of or a sign of? Well, when you have a market like we've seen where the S&P is now challenging the uh, February top, uh, February 19th high in the S&P 500, I believe was around just shy, well, I'll give you the exact number. It was exactly uh, 3393 and a half. So, you know, we're at 3372. Um, when you go up into a high pivot like that, if you want to get through there with any staying power, you want to consolidate and go sideways. And that's really what we've been seeing the last three, four sessions. Um, so I like to see more of it. I think the longer we could put in a base, the higher these markets can actually go. And I think for the first time, now I don't think the Dow is going to do it, but I do think the S&P can challenge, if not take out, the uh, February top. So you think the S&P really could reach a new top? Because we already saw it this week again in the NASDAQ, right? Yeah, the NASDAQ's been making new highs. That's up over 20%. But I really think looking at this market now, we can see it in, in the S&P 500. Now, with that being said, we're not going to see it. We're not going to see a new high in the Dow right away, and we're not going to see a new high in the Russell. But I think we could see it in the S&P 500. We're very close, and I like what it's doing. It's backing off right now, and as long as it doesn't break any major support levels, we have a shot to go a bit higher. All right, so effect here, it appears to me, this is happening very much under the surface. I think the economy is actually going to reopen shortly. The reason I believe this, Nick, is because in New York City, they're ordering the schools to open. And you can't have normalcy in the country or back reopening without the schools opening up. In Florida, they've ordered them. It seems like the CDC said the risk is very low. Kids don't get COVID. Kids don't spread COVID. And this could mean that the reopening really is going to happen, although a lot later than you and I thought it necessary or should have done in the first place. Well, I kind of agree with, with that for, for one reason. I think the market's telling us that. So, you know, if you just go and look at the way the market is traded, 
it, it, it is climbing a wall of worry. Obviously, you have an election that's highly contested. You have a lot of uh, fighting between parties. But uh, the market's telling us that things are going to open up. And, and I honestly think right now, as long as these patterns hold, I think your, your, your uh, perception is correct. All right. And uh, we're going to be seeing other indicators shortly. Look, in Florida, we're mostly open. I think the spike in COVID, they had to do something. So they just said, everybody wear a mask. And now uh, Biden, he would like a three-month mask mandate for every man, woman, child, probably puppy and feline in the country, which is just like, where has this guy been? <laughs> He's been in the basement with a mask on. So, I mean, it's comfortable for him, I suppose. But you know, the, the mask theory is very debatable, and um, I, for one, can't stand it. I, I feel like my eyes hurt after about three to four minutes, and I spoke <laughs> to many, many doctors who wear masks during surgery, and they say, yeah, most of us wear glasses because we wore a mask, and it really, you know, people don't realize, but you can get a virus or a cold or anything through the eyes. So I, I don't find the mask to be particularly comfortable. For me, but um, again, if it makes somebody feel better, they can wear them. Just don't, don't bother me when I'm not wearing it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Karen. And you know, the other thing, uh, I wear one of these gaiters because it's the least, uh, it's the least effective mask out there, but it's still compliant. It's a face covering. That's technically what they require. And now they're saying the test from the gaiters are saying that the that droplets will aerosolize through the through the gator because it's such fine mesh and it's even worse for transmitting diseases <laughs> i guess i gotta <laughs> fold it in half because honestly i have problems breathing and it's so hot here in florida that i'm sweating like like a pig from the stupid mask and they expect you to wear it in the gym and i just said guys it ain't happening and uh, you want to fight about it fine but nobody here is wearing a mask and they kind of capitulated on it. But it's amazing how how this pandemic has brought out some of the worst parts of people's character. Just, uh, you know, I don't want to compare it to other awful times in history. Finally, we're going to cut this short because we are doing it late. Warren Buffett makes a big bet on gold. Yeah, it looks like uh, the 13F filings are out. And that's where you get the, uh, the hedge fund positions, the big hedge funds and what they're holding. And it looks like he disclosed uh, in his 13F filing a new position in Barrick Gold. And it looks like he bought 20.92 million shares. That's a pretty good position. Um, this is the same guy that bailed out of everything, closed his positions in all of the airlines. That's in the 13F filing as well. Uh, but it looks like he is a buyer of gold. He maintained his positions in Bank of America, Coca-Cola, Kraft Heinz, Apple, American Express, and a few others. But he added a position in G-O-L-D. I'd love to know where, what he paid for that one. But um, in any regard, uh, he's joining the gold bandwagon with the rest yeah. of us now. Well, he is a little late to the party here, Nick. He is uh, very late to the party, if you ask me. So, uh, again, um, you know, we have to see when he actually made this purchase. We don't know that from the 13F filing. All we do get is what he bought and the amount of shares it don't tell us or disclose the exact date when he bought it. So why do you think he bought Barrick instead of Newmont? In my opinion, for what that's worth, I think Newmont is the better operator of the two from a purely operational standpoint. And 
they've kind of become the uh, homestake mining of the uh, 20s and 30s, which homestake mining during the Depression just went up tens and tens of times. Well, I have to agree with you personally. The two that I trade personally is Newmont and Agnico Eagle Mines, AEM. Oh, another great one. Uh, that's, those are the two of my favorites. Now, I haven't really done much with Barrick in quite a while. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm not sure why he chose that one, uh, but we'll see here. Um, right now, as you know, I think gold needs to pull back more. So we're going to see what it looks like. But, uh, you know, we'll pick it off when it's time to get back in them. Uh, right now, they are pulling back, but uh, pretty surprising to see Warren Buffett jumping in on the gold bandwagon. Yeah, well, not really. I mean, he's bought silver before and then dumped it. He's always been on the periphery. It just doesn't fit his his character and his philosophy. He always said that you spend all this money digging it out of the ground, and then you dig a hole in the ground and store it there and have to pay people to guard it. And he just didn't see it as a productive asset, but that's that's very uh, incredulous on his part. Uh, he knows better. And the, the one thing I would say also about Warren Buffett, I'm not sure he's pulling all the strings over at uh, Berkshire Hathaway anymore. I know he has some other people now there working. I mean, he may be starting to take a little bit of a backseat. I, I don't think his performance this year has been all that uh, all that spectacular. Um, so that, that should be noted as well. He's been in some positions, in my opinion, that have not really panned out all that well, but his stock has done better as of late, uh, along with everything in the market ultimately. So, uh, but we'll see, we'll see how it plays out here and, uh, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what this has in store, uh, going forward, but, uh, pretty interesting nonetheless. Yeah. I think he had 174 billion in cash sitting there. This cost him all of 550 some odd million. Not really a huge play for him, but could be strategic, could be significant. Hey, what did what did gold do today? How did it close out the week? Gold futures, when it was all said and done today, were about were down about sixteen dollars and seventy cents, finishing at uh, nineteen fifty three an ounce. So all in all, uh, we had a pretty decent little drop, and silver as well uh, was down about a dollar seventeen, which is a four point two three percent decline today finishing at 26.54 an ounce. So we did see uh, a nice little pullback in the metals. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that personally because I want to get back in on the paper trade here. And, um, you know, again, I'm looking for them to go a bit lower at the moment. So you're looking for a bit lower. Hey, one question, the VIX, where is that at now? The VIX right now is at 22.05. It was basically flat today, just down 8 cents. But uh, the VIX has been pulling back pretty nicely as of late. and. Um, again, I still think the VIX, you know, it's going to have some days where it goes up, but I still think it's headed lower. Yeah, well, it, naturally, if there's not a lot of volatility, the nature of that index is it's a decaying, time-decaying index. It's based on a whole bunch of stuff that we don't even know. and it. But basically, the options component of it ensures that it's going to lose value over the time. over time. So anytime it spikes, almost no that it has to go down after it. Yeah, and we see that. I always call, uh, I always tell my members at Bullseye, I always tell them it's a spike indicator. So it'll, it'll spike up and it's not going to hang around there very long. So, you know, we get extreme readings like we had back in, uh, in March and, 
and also uh, a little bit later uh, down the road, um, you know, we, we look for that thing to come back in. And, and, but I still uh, do not have a buy signal for the VIX right now. I think it's still headed a bit lower, but occasionally it will have a one or two day pop or even a little bit longer. But really, for the most part, um, the VIX continues to trend down. All right. One other question, Nick, because uh, you, you are pretty far looking ahead. And are you starting to form an opinion for September and October yet? Yeah, caution. caution? <laughs> you want to be, be caution in September and October for one reason. It's the election. And, um, you know, this is, this is not a normal election year. We're not living in a normal environment. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, we could just look at the chaos in the streets right now. So you really want to be a bit careful. Um, all the stops are being pulled out this year. I think you have to be a little bit on guard. You never know what the uh, these surprises could be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still bullish on the market. Um, I'm still holding all long positions, whether it's an option or an outright swing trade. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, we have to be a bit cautious here um, as we approach September, which is also uh, a potential volatility month. And then you get into October, which is also a potential volatility month. We always have to be careful going into an election. All right. I think we'll leave it at that. Anyway, take a look at Nick's site, inthemoneystocks.com, trading record, other valuable info there. The Twitter feeds, at ITMS, at NickSantiago01, at Kerry Lutz. Questions, comments, email us, kl at kerrylutz.com. And Nick, uh, that's it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Sounds good, Kerry. Have a great weekend. And so concludes another episode of Daily Market Wisdom with master trader Nick Santiago. Be sure to go to his website, inthemoneystocks.com. Don't forget the Twitter feeds, at ITMS and at NickSantiago01. 